Today on Sagittarian Matters, we talk about being butch in Australia, astral projection, and the dogs you meet when you visit other realms with my very special guest, Esther Godoy. Stay tuned. episode is brought to you by Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Michelle Lemoyne, Mary Pinson, Jill Soloway, and Christy Herod. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, in particular, producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $500 if it's worth it to you via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for supporting a podcast that supports you, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Ponyo's voice. And I have a special call out. We have a lot of exciting episodes coming down the pike, including Linda Berry, Dr. Ebony Flowers, Jessica Lanyato, and more. So please keep us going by sending your pledge to Hornetleg at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you. Esther Godoy is the creator of Butch is Not a Dirty Word magazine, a publication for butches and the people who love them. She joined us in the Sagittarian Matters mobile studio to talk about astral projection, manifestation, and things that happen that make you feel like the doors of your reality have been blown off. This is similar to our story last week where Beth Ditto joined us to talk about when she saw a UFO and she felt like reality was melting. You can find Esther and her magazine at butchisnotadirtyword.com. Now please enjoy my talk with Esther Godoy. Esther Godoy. Welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Ah, great to be here. Always a pleasure. Before we get into your spooky story mm-hmm. about roaming the earth on a different level, <laughs> can you tell me about your most recent project? Yes, uh, Butch is Not a Dirty Word. Issue 6 is finally out. Uh, this issue is like super special and important to me. It thematically focuses on mental health. Um, so we spoke to like 18 Butch folks from all around the world um, and asked them to tell us stories about all the trials and tribulations they've experienced um, with their mental health. And you've got it sitting in front of you right now so you can see the the beautiful presentation it has turned into. Um, yeah, very excited to have that out in the world. You're my guest today because it is October and I asked for scary stories and you had an interesting take on this. Yes, I feel like scary in a non-traditional sense. Um, I'm excited to tell you all about it. Well, so let's start at the start. You are from Australia. I am from Australia. It is true. Born and bred Melbourne. You're from Melbourne. (laughs) Melbourne. (laughs) And you have exquisite manifestation powers it turns out can you tell me one of the first times that you felt this way 
Yeah, I have this weird thing in my life where I don't manifest things on purpose. Um, a lot of the time I'll read something, somebody will say something to me, and it's usually like very uninteresting, unexciting, weird and random things. Um, and the next day or the next week, it'll happen to me. Um, I remember in like early 20s, around 2008, I had a friend talk to me. She was telling me like total non-event. We're at a picnic she was talking to me about dogs and telling me the thing that they do with their paw when they're about to hunt something. So they like, you know, they put their little paw up and they point it towards the thing that they're about to attack. And I was like, oh yeah, that's a cool story. I didn't think much of it. Um, and the next day I was waiting at the bus stop and there was this really big, massive, scary Doberman um, walking down the street, like just uncomfortably ahead of its owner and it wasn't on a lead. Mm. And I saw this sort of kind of all unfolding and, you know, it was about a hundred meters away at this point and it was walking, walking, almost running towards where I was standing. And as it got directly across the road from me, it stopped, it looked at me and it put its paw up and it pointed it towards me. <laughs> <laughs> and had my friend not told me this story the day before, I would have been like, oh, look, it's such a cute dog. I can't wait till it comes over here to pet me. <laughs> but as soon as it put its paw up to me, I was like, oh, fuck, I know what's about to happen. And like in the, in the moment it took me to have that thought, this dog darts towards me and chases me. I had to do one full run around the block with this dog chasing me until I was able to jump the fence over into some random person's house and like find safety. And the owner ended up catching up with the dog and like being this weird stoner dude that weirdly apologized. And I was just like, holy fuck. Um, Thank goodness you had that conversation. Yeah. Was the person, did the person that told me the day before was that, did that create this situation or was it like the goddess protecting me knowing it was going to happen? Who can say? Who can say? Well, so this happened again later at, at a time of your life when you were having some hardship. And I want to say, I mentioned where you're from because you were living in Melbourne, which is a very different place to be a butch person. Yeah, I the way that I grew up and the queer culture I grew up in um, was not at all in favor of butch presenting folks. Um I had like a very hard time as a young adult trying to find myself and trying to understand my gender expression and um, the other thing that was going on for me as a young adult was that I had undiagnosed OCD so I had you know a lot of like external community oppression I had a lot of internal oppression I had a lot of mental health stuff happening and on top of that all I was in like a very toxic emotionally abusive relationship so there was a moment in my early 20s where you know, I was just partying a lot and doing the best that I knew how to sort of escape this um, this this mental space I was in. It is one thing when you're not ex accepted by the dominant social normed culture, which like most queer people aren't. That's one thing. Um, a particularly difficult thing is when you are not accepted uh, by your queer community and the people that are supposed to see you and supposed to accept you. Um, I can't tell you how damaging that was to my sense of self and my self-esteem and my understanding of who I was as a human um, at that point in my life. I think that, you know, when you, when you grow up as a person who exhibits a different gender expression to the one you're assigned at birth, um, there's a pretty common narrative of how, how that pans out. 
And no sooner had I figured that out for myself and finally sort of come into myself and tried to express that safely to the world, I landed in a queer community that basically shut that down completely. So, yeah. It's, it's very different than Portland, where... Oh, yeah. It's always really hard to describe in the Pacific Northwest because, I mean, butch folks are revered here. And it's, and it's a part of the reason why I ended up... You know, I spent 10 years trying to move to Portland um, for to be in a safer space where I could thrive, where I could be emotionally, spiritually, and physically healthy. And, yeah, that doesn't get lost on me how how different that conversation is to have here. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay, so you were having a hard time, and then how did your manifestation manifest itself at this time? <laughs> well, I, again, I mentioned I was partying a lot at that time. That's the only tool that I had to escape my internal stress. Um... So it was like just another Sunday for me. I was super hungover. Uh, around three o'clock in the afternoon, I was lying in my room face down on my bed. And I have a really hard time falling asleep unless it's pitch black and it's like sleeping time. So my friend had sent me across this podcast to listen to because I was trying to get to sleep in the middle of the day. And the podcast was about astral projection and out-of-body experiences, which I like. I knew nothing about at the time. And I was like drifting in and out of sleep, like only vaguely listening to this background noise. And I was, I was, you know, drift, drifting in and out into that space where you are consciously awake, but your, your brain at the same time is also asleep. And I was listening to this narrative of this person talking about what it felt like to leave their body and some of the experiences they've had. And as I began to drift deeper into actual sleep, in an instant, like the second that my brain went to shut down into sleep zone, I remember experiencing the exact same things that had just been described to me like 15 seconds earlier in this podcast. So there was this like very violent vibration of my energetic body. It was like, it was a very sharp vibration, but very intense. And the thing that accompanied this vibration was this, this really loud and intense buzzing noise that... You know, the best I can describe it is a noise that you would hear, but it was a buzzing sense that like ricocheted through my entire nervous system. And as this was happening, I was shaking, 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 and it got more intense and and faster. And and as this happened, I started to slowly lift out of my physical body, and it was terrifying. It was like this very slow magnetic draw out of the body and it feels like um it feels like when you have pins and needles and you try to move your limbs like it's so heavy and so hard to move and I tried to stop this from happening because I was terrified but it didn't stop happening I just kept getting pulled 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 out of my body to a point where like I it felt like I spilled out of my body and fell out onto the floor literally like I felt myself bounce on the floor um but my physical body was still in my bed right so, so how is this different than when people just dissociate? Aside from this, like, buzzing, vibrational, getting pulled out. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, I haven't had the physical sense of disassociating. Like, I have experienced a mental disassociation and an emotional disassociation where I, um, you know, where I've mentally just checked out. But I feel like the difference in this moment was that like there was a separation of a physical part of my body that literally left 
my physical body. So my mind was no longer in my physical body on the bed. My consciousness was in this physical part of me that was outside of my body. Um, I feel like with a with a more mental disassociation, um, it's 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 felt for me. I don't know what it feels like for everyone else. In the past, it's felt very different because I'm still in the room and I'm still in my body, you know. But now you had a little bit of agency. <laughs> I did. So, like, you know, the experience, like this. What happened in this particular moment was that, like, I, I, f- I fall out onto the floor, I'm, I'm freaking out, I'm terrified, and as a response to this, um, I get sucked basically back into my body immediately. I, I panic, I'm looking around the room, I'm panicking, I'm sweating, my heart's beating. Um, I get up out of bed to make sure I'm still alive. I, I'm walking down the hallway and I can hear my mum listening to TV in the back room, and I stop, like, halfway down the hallway and I just remember thinking, shit, like... I was not a spiritual person that time. I was brought up Catholic. So my understanding of spirituality and the afterlife basically just based itself on like not lying or stealing so you don't end up in hell. Mm-hmm. And in this moment, I was like, shit, like I, I'd never had to contemplate spirituality before. I'd never had to face these questions before. It's all stuff that I'd suppressed. And in this moment, I was like, I think, I think that the concept of a soul is real. If I just left my body, it means the concept of an afterlife is real. And and it means I know something and I've experienced something that nobody knows for sure. And in that moment, I felt so overwhelmed by the responsibility and weight of that knowledge. And I felt so terrified and so isolated and so scared and so alone with that. Um that I remember just stopping in that hallway and I didn't go out to the back room to tell my mom. I just, I I walked back to my room and I just cried and I just cried and I cried and I cried for like the next few hours, I think. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. So when did it get fun? <laughs> the part, the question on everyone's lips, when did it get fun? So this kept happening to me like night in and night out for about three months straight. And I pushed against it. I pushed against it. The more I would push against it, the more it would happen. And the more intense uh, it would happen to me in more intense ways. So... After about like two weeks of this, I, I, I was like, man, I got to start working with this and not against it. So I started to try and read about what it was. Mostly I read a lot of like books from the seventies about astral projection. And then some of the other things I read were more neurophysiology based and they sort of explain the physiology, the physiological experience of thinking you've left your body. Um, but actually like what functions of the brain are making you feel that way. So I don't know really where I, I, I sit with um, how I understand that experience and those experiences that continue to happen. But I do know that through reading all of these books, I, I, I started lear- trying to learn how to master this skill or this ability to do this thing. So there were two very distinct ways it would happen. When I actually left my body, I, I could physically move around my bedroom. I could physically move around the room. And from what I'd read in astral travel books... Um, there were certain tactics that you could use to basically like not only leave the room, 
um, but leave the realm, right? And go into different places, like travel to other countries, travel to the moon, travel to, I don't know, the sixth dimension. Who knows? But I tried to start employing these tactics. And every time I did so, it would cross over into what felt like a lucid dream more so than an astral projection. And I still can't be certain what the difference between those two things are. But I can tell you that when I was in those spaces, I, you know, you only ever get a very small amount of time to work with it before your brain and your body realize that's what you're doing and they wake you up instantly. So every time I would go into this astral space where I was outside of my room and in what felt like another realm, um, I had this creative power where I could just think of something and it would appear in front of me or I could think of a situation and it would present itself. Um, so the first few times I did the obvious things, like I would try and fly and, you know, I'd run and run and run, jump up, fly for like a couple of seconds and then bang, hit the floor and wake up. Um, from then I moved on to being like, you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to do that? Like I need to do in this moment and I love eating. So I would like just curate like delicious snacks out of thin air for me to eat. I remember once like I was under so much stress and pressure to get something done quickly that I just like, I'm like, what do I like? Cookies. And in front of me was this plate of cookies. And I just started like shoveling them in my mouth as fast as I could. Um, and then I woke up and then it got a little bit more like, as I got a little bit more confident and I was, you know, exploring my gender, exploring my sexuality, exploring all kinds of parts of myself. And I remember thinking like, what would I do in this realm that I don't particularly want to do in the physical realm, but I'm curious about. So there were a ton of moments where I, where I created situations where I was able to engage in sexual encounters with like cis men. Um, just where, where to... did they come from? <laughs> well, you just, you know, the thing with being in that space is that you create whatever situation you want to create. You just think about it and it's in front of you. So I would like quickly curate like a hot fag that I wanted to make out with or a hot fag that I wanted to have sex with or something. And, you know, that experience would happen. And sometimes we'd get through the whole experience. Sometimes I'd only get through like the first 10 seconds of it and then I'd wake up. And, you know, that was... It was pretty fun and like pretty wild through doing that. I realized that, yeah, I definitely don't want to engage in that in the physical realm, but, um, at least now I know. And, but did you see any dogs? <laughs> I saw, okay. So this is the other thing when I have left my body and I have walked around my room or my house. Um, it's pretty much just like physical real life, except that you are outside of your body. And instead of physically walking spaces, you're thinking with your mind, move to the door, move to the other room, move down the hallway. Um, but again, when we're talking about these more astral projection spaces, there's all kinds of crazy shit that happens in those spaces. Like there are other beings there are other people, there are other energies, there are, you know, it's, it's more hallucinogenic. And every single time I've been in that space, there have been dogs in so many different situations, small dogs, big dogs, floating dogs, walking dogs. There are dogs everywhere. And I remember being so confused by this because I never really used to be a dog person. So I didn't feel like this was something I was creating in my specific astral projection. And I remember, you know, in those days I would read books and I would ask all kinds of um, folks 
who might have an idea of what was happening, I would engage with those people and ask them about this. And somebody did end up telling me their take on it, which was that dogs are the keepers of these other realms. Um, which, you know what, would makes actually makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, whenever I'm walking down the streets, I'm like so good with little dogs. Little dogs love me. But if there's a dog in a car or somebody's walking a bigger dog, um, throughout my entire life, this has always happened to me where the dog will look at me and like just get really, really angry at me and like arc up at me and growl. And now that I think about this, I kind of make sense in it that if I have this ability and if I walk through this world with the capability of traveling to these other places, there's every chance that maybe I have, you know, um, other beings around me or following me around or like protecting me. Um, and it's potential that these dogs in the physical realm are seeing these other things that are following me around and reacting to them rather than reacting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like an interesting hypothesis I have. Well, so tell me, how did this end or what's the, <laughs> do you still do this? How did you stop doing this? And what was the scary part? Um, I mean, the scary part getting pulled out of your body. Yeah, that was the, the scary part is being pulled out of your body and having to completely fast forward your understanding and like integration of what spirituality means to you. I had to do that in like, you know, a three month period. Most people spend their entire lives trying to understand how, how that sits with them. Mm-hmm. I desperately had to do this very quickly in, in a short period of time, um, literally just to keep fucking sane because you know i realize how crazy this sounds when i say it out loud i realize how crazy those experiences were i realize how and you know i don't like using the word crazy but for lack of a better term in this context i realize how outrageous and how mentally unstable this makes me sound imagine experiencing those things at the time without having any understanding of mental health, without having a therapist, without having anyone to go to to talk about it, I literally thought that I was losing my mind. I thought that I was having a psychotic experience. I thought that if I told anybody, I would be locked up. And I was I, I was basically like, this is just my new life. I guess I'm mentally unwell. And I guess my life is going to be in and out of institutions, keeping my, you know, where people are able to keep me safe. So... The confronting nature of that experience, scary. Um, Being in other realms, scary. All of this is so unknown. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing out there. There's no information. I'm literally going off of a text written by some burner in the 70s. (laughs) Like, that's not scary to to anyone. The concept of potentially not even making it back to your body because you fucked off and you're in the seventh realm patting a dog. Like, it's terrifying. (laughs) But so how did this whole thing end? Um, It ended as I got mentally, you know what? It's like, it's, it's a longer story that's sort of outside of the scope of what we're talking about. But truly this stuff ended for me, the more time I spent in Portland, Oregon, the more time I spent in a space that allowed me the environment to thrive and to be in myself and to be, you know, emotionally fulfilled, fulfilled in my expression of myself. Um, my mental health got a lot better along with like, obviously a lot of therapy, but it really alleviated all of this oppression that I was feeling. So the more time I spent outside of Melbourne, the more time I spent around people that validated me, um, the, the less my body 
and my spiritual body felt the need to leave its environment because obviously like the environment of my of my being would have been a very toxic place for my energetic body to exist because it was it was just so stressful all the time so as that as i improved that environment my spirits um my spirits felt a lot safer being inside of my body so it didn't it didn't force itself out anymore so it it still happens to me on occasion i can usually just like close my eyes yawn and stop it from happening if i'm too tired um or sometimes i like to just jump out and engage and like see um see if there's any good snacks to touch <laughs> what that was weird can we not put that in <laughs> that's definitely going in <laughs> there's no more snacks to touch um so then you, you so now fast forward in your life just so people know you live in portland oregon you live I in do. a place where butchers are revered yes held on high yeah. you have actually a connection with butchers around the world through your project butch is not a dirty word mm-hmm. literally butchers around the world in places where people think butchers are great butchers are less great mm-hmm. and you get to have this community that you've created yeah so. can i like recite on that one quote that yeah. you just made me think of from yeah. the magazine, yeah. which is from a butch woman named Mancha in Durban in South Africa. And her piece is entitled Depression, a White Person's Disease. And the quote is, we walk around with confidence like nothing phases us, but deep down the anxiety of being, of being beaten, corrective rape and death run riot. So when all of y'all in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> try and tell me, that to be butch ain't no thing. I want your, you guys to remember that everywhere else in the world, people fucking hate us. People hate us. Queer people hate us. People on the street hate us. Heterosexual people hate us. Keep that in mind. Keep it in mind. Keep it in mind. And uh, That's an uplifting thing. way to end. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're in Portland. Let's go have a green juice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Esther. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. On Earth. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.